Welcome to the Pets Who Thrive podcast, where we cover all areas of natural animal health and challenge what we've been conditioned to think regarding how to raise and keep a healthy pet. My name is Tammy. I'm an entrepreneur and a certified animal naturopath with a passion for animals and empowering other pet owners with tools for creating the healthiest version of your amazing pets. Let's dive in. Hello, I am so glad you're here today. I am very excited about today's guest, Daryl Rosenberg, the National Director of Training with Stellan Chewies, is joining us to not only talk about his brand, but also about how life-changing raw food is in general. So welcome, Daryl. I'm so glad you're here today. Thank you, Tammy. How are you? Good. So I was hoping that maybe you could start a little bit about telling us about how Stella and Chewy's began. I absolutely love the story, and I think everyone else would love to hear it as well. Sure, absolutely. Um, well, my association with uh, Stella and Chewy started back in, in 2005 um, when I was working for a retail store called Sentinella Feed and Pet Supplies in, in Los Angeles, California. I was the general manager at the time. Um and so, you know, the whole story about Stella and Chewy's uh, is about a, a woman named Marie Moody. Uh, she was actually working in the fashion industry um, and she uh, and she was selling fashion garments in, in New York City. And uh, she wasn't really good at selling fashion garments in New York City. So she was fired a lot. And it got to the point where she couldn't even find another job uh, selling fashion garments in New York City. So. Uh, she decided to move out uh, to the other coast and went to California on the West Coast and uh, landed in Santa Monica, California. And that's where she got another job selling high-end T-shirts. Uh, so she was into the fashion industry. Um, you know, again, wasn't her thing, wasn't a lot of passion behind it. It was just a job and she she liked fashion. But uh, I wouldn't say her heart was there. And I think she started to find that out as uh, she started to rescue some dogs um, and one of the dogs she did rescue was a, a dog named Stella. Um, and so, uh, you know, Stella uh, was a great dog and, and Marie loved her. But, uh, you know, she had separation anxiety. And every time Marie would go out on a sales call, uh, Stella would take it out on something uh, that Marie owned. And, uh, you know, a, a carpet, couch, uh, you know, oh Prada shoes. So, oh. you know, being in a, yeah, exactly. Being in the fashion industry and, and having... Uh, you know, your Prada shoes torn up by a dog that's upset at you for, for leaving every day. Um, you know, Marie couldn't have that anymore. And so she did what any normal person in Southern California would have done and, and took Stella to talk to a pet psychic. Um, and so they sat down and started talking and uh, not Marie and the pet psychic, but uh, Stella and the pet psychic. And, you know, Stella said she was lonely and wanted a boyfriend and Marie being single at the time in and, and California, like totally understood. And she went to the local shelter in Santa Monica and, and that's where she uh, found a, a dog named Chewy. Uh, and Chewy was kind of like a catalyst to everything Stella and Chewy's. Um, you know, when Marie met Chewy, she expressed to us uh, that it was the purest moment of her life. It was a hook, line and sinker. People say they have that heart dog, that forever dog. Eyes are the windows to the soul, and, and that dog connected with Marie like nothing else has ever connected with with Marie. And, uh, you know, she she picked Chewy, and she took Chewy to talk to the local vet um, because he wasn't doing well. He had some autoimmune issues, and uh, 
you know, he wasn't a healthy dog. And, and the vet that called on the shelter actually said to Marie that they have seen this chewy dog come in and out of the vet um, on and off and uh, wasn't a well dog. And this is back in the nineties, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was the late nineties and, you know, new holistic pet wasn't really a thing. Raw definitely was very, very fringe at the time. So right. the vet really didn't know what to do from a crisis management standpoint um, and actually recommended that Marie uh, return the dog and try to find, um, you know, a- another, another dog at the shelter. Oh, and, uh, you know, not to rant on here, but, you know, there's two common themes that if you ever had the opportunity to meet Marie um, and, 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 and chat with her and, and have her sit down and tell you stories is that if, if there's two common themes in her, why, if everybody has a why it's, her determination and, and her love. And I think she demonstrated that with Chewy because she was determined to save his life. And uh, that was because she loved him so much. Mm. And so she asked the vet to give another alternative opposed to returning the dog. And that's when uh, the vet said, well, you know, there's this raw food diet. I think it was the barf, the barf diet book by Dr. Billingshurst, mm-hmm. uh, who's a, a doctor, a vet out in uh, Australia she started reading that and doing some research on alternative feeding. And, and I, I don't think there was an app for that. So you actually had to read a book back then. And, and, uh, and, you know, the web was, I think available, but uh, it was a lot slower than it is today, but Marie did the work. She put in the time and uh, she found some different formulas and recipes that she could uh, feed to, to, to both Stella and Chewy. And she did. So she started going and, and grabbing all sorts of fresh meats and vegetables from the local markets in the in the Santa Monica area, and she started to prepare the food for for, for Chewy and Stella. And within ninety days, you know, Stella was thriving, but Chewy went through a life altering transformation for the better. Mm. And you know, that's when Marie took Chewy back to the same vet, and they said, you know, you should quit your day job. And I can't believe the results of feeding raw, fresh diet. And, uh, you know, you should quit your day job and start making pet food. And Marie took the vet seriously. And uh, that's what she did. And so she grew up in Wisconsin. um, And she uh, went to her father, who lived in Muskego, Wisconsin, where Marie grew up, and asked if uh, she can borrow $50,000 from him to start a raw food company in New York City, where she failed in the fashion industry. (laughs) And uh, he thought she was crazy, but loved her and, and did it. And so Marie hooked up with a coal packer in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and partnered up with her alma mater, the uh, University of Wisconsin-Madison um, Department of Animal Sciences, and they formulated the first uh, Stella and Chewy's formula. And uh, she started selling uh, pet food out of the back of a taxi cab in, uh, in New York City. Wow. And, uh, that's how it got started. That is such an incredible story. And what a dedication she had, um, especially when your veterinarian is saying, hey, take this one back, get a new one, you know, and I have met Marie and she, you can tell she has the biggest heart and um, so, you know, kind. And I can see how she would have just completely embraced that and been committed to, you know, the health of her dogs. That's an amazing story. I love it. Yeah. You know, there's, you know how people, there's always that one thing or person or, or being that there's that connection is so deep that anytime you talk about them, you kind of see their eyes kind of water up a little bit. Like every time Marie 
tells that story and I've heard it a million times and I've seen her tell it uh, a lot to different people. The reaction is genuine and pure. Um, And I think that is, you know, I think that those themes, determination and love still today run through the company. We've, we've changed a lot. We'll get into that more. I'm sure as Mm we we go down this journey on this call, but um, you know, she was determined to save his life and, yeah. and it was all because she loved him so much. And that Stella and Chewy's like, we try our best now to, you know, we're determined to manufacture best in class pet nutrition um, for any pet parent. Yeah. And raw might not be the thing. Raw was just a catalyst in Marie's case, but we're determined to manufacture, you know, best in class pet nutrition so that any pet parent can give um, their, their pets the same, the same love that Marie gave the Chewy. Yeah, I think that's that's amazing. And I've seen the transformation in so many pets. And speaking of that, um, I know you've conducted a lot of trainings around some of the um, health benefits of feeding a raw diet. And I just thought maybe you could share what some of your experiences has been. Obviously, that was, you know, huge um, what Marie went through. But I know it spanned across, you know, all over about the success story. So I just wanted to see if you could maybe talk a little bit about some of the benefits of raw foods. Sure. I mean, the basics, um, you know, better stamina and energy, better dental health, you have weight management, you have uh, freedom from, from allergies, better skin and coat. Um, But it's, it's really a common sense nutritional approach I think a lot of people have been programmed and wired to feed something that's convenient mm-hmm. um, and ignore the the fact whether it's they're just they don't know better they're ignorant to the fact that dogs and wolves are very very similar mm-hmm. I think because the dog is in our home and they've been quote unquote air quotes here because um, this is a right. not on, on film <laughs> but um, it it's you know they they've been domesticated all of a sudden we seem to just forget the fact that, you know, the wolf has been on the planet for, you know, a a long time, million years. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there was a lot of debate between um, whether dogs and wolves were the, uh, were the same species. They were categorized as two different species. The wolf is a a, a Canis lupus and and the dog was Canis familiaris. And then uh, Dr. Wayne, uh, who was the head of environmental sciences, sciences and ecology, um, at the uh, University of California, Los Angeles actually started to do the testing and kind of squash the whole, you know, argument that was going on amongst the scientific community. And they tested nuclear DNA, um, which is passed on through the, the mom and the dad, uh, and then the mitochondrial DNA, which is passed on through the mother alone. The nuclear DNA, DNA between the, the gray wolf and, and, and the dog, there was about a 98.5% similarity between the gray wolf and all these different breeds of dogs. And, and again, the, the nuclear DNA is what's going on on the outside uh, bone structure, size differential, some behaviors, basically your gray wolf and then the Bichon with the pink bows. Right. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was daddy that kind of messed everything up when it came to, you know, the gray wolf and, and the Bichon with the pink bows, nothing wrong with the Bichon with the pink bows, but that would definitely make you think like, Hey, that's not a wolf. Right. Um, the one we really want to focus on and that's, intrinsically linked to the raw nutrition is, is the mitochondrial DNA, which is passed on to the mother alone. And there was a 99.9% similarity between 
the gray wolf and, and all the breeds of dogs. So almost identical. Every test has a margin of error, but the mitochondrial DNA is intrinsically linked to the physiology of the animal, uh, their GI tract, their metabolism, their ability to assimilate, you know, nutrients. And look, I work for a company that sells everything, right? Mm-hmm. We have the whole full spectrum of all pet products, but um, you know, out in the wild, you're not seeing the gray wolf chase 30 pound bags of kibble with four right. legs and oversized cans of, uh, you know, canned food rolling down hills. They're, they're, they're chasing prey. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's the whole, you know, background to the raw food diet. It's a prey model formulation based on basically the herbivore uh, and not just the herbivore itself, but also what's in the herbivore's guts. So, you know, with a lot of raw foods, they, they fluctuate from, you know, 77% meat to a hundred percent meat. We're at about a 95% meat ratio, meat to, to other ratio and and at Stella and Chewy's. Um, But it's the fact that it's unprocessed. It's in its natural state, which allows the animal's body uh, to mimic what it would do out in the wild. And, you know, nature designed something to do what nature intended it to do. And raw food is in that natural form, which means the animal's body is able to do, um, what nature intended it to do. Once you start changing things and altering things and throwing in ingredients that I call necessary evils, when you start looking at some of the ingredients in pet food, they're not bad. They're just not natural to the the real true carnivore diet. Right. Um, and so things start to get gummied up. If you want to use like a manufacturing term, if the body is a, is, is like a manufacturing plant and you're making you know, widgets, right? And then all of a sudden you start to put stuff in there, which isn't used for widgets. It's going to mess up the manufacturing and things aren't going to, you know, get designed correctly. Or there might be um, some issues with the actual um, manufacturing parts itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the the closer things are to nature when it comes to dogs and cats, I'd argue, probably even more so, to be honest with you, um, you know, the better off I think pets are. And so as an advocate for, for raw food, I do work for a company that sells the whole gamut of, of pet products out there, but every pet parent should at least strive to treat their dogs like uh, they were a wolf at least one day a week. One day, just feed raw. If you can do more, great. But Tammy, dogs and cats are precious little gems that we borrowed from nature. Mm-hmm. And it's our responsibility to cater to their physiological needs. And if we could do that for one day, um, I mean, that would be uh, that would be amazing. I think yeah. that's a win for everybody. Absolutely. So. And, it, you know, and I just uh, recorded a different podcast all about kind of some of the hidden dangers of pet food and, you know, talking about, you know, the governing agencies, you know, the NRC, the AFCO, how that all got started. And it's so interesting when you think about it. And you're right. Like one of the things that I talk to my clients about um, regularly is, um, you know, knowing that your dog is about 99% related to the gray wolf. Would you for one second question what a gray wolf is going to eat? You know, and everybody goes, no. Yeah. Okay. So that's where, that's where we're, that's exactly my point. So yeah, great, great um, information. So you talked a little bit about, you know, maybe just one day a week or, you know, uh, to add food. 
how would you su- suggest for those people who have never fed raw, you know, maybe they're, they're really anxious to do it, but they're scared because my dog's been on this food for seven years and he's doing great. And I'm so afraid to change, you know, how do you recommend um, someone kind of just starting that process? Um, I know one of the things that you've used before is the Stellavator as your analogy. I don't know sure. if you want to talk about that here, um, but you know, what would be some of the ways to maybe start incorporating some of that raw food into their diet? So that's, that's a great question. And, you know, the, the pet food game has changed so much. There was a time where it was like raw food or bust and there wasn't these different entry points. And, you know, the first thing, the most important thing I think is to find out the reason why people don't want to feed the raw. Is it the ooh factor? Is it inconvenience? Is there, you know, are they concerned that, uh, about pathogens. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many different reasons why someone might not want to feed raw and they're programmed not most likely unless they've done the research on their own or have come into the store and just heard, you know, you educate um, on multiple times and at some point they'll get comfortable. But really there's just so many different things like that, that you could do for, for us at Stella and Chewy's, you mentioned the Stellavator. We have multiple entry points. There's different levels. You can feed raw frozen. You could also feed our freeze dried raw, which is uh, raw, but it's, you know, not in a freezer. It's freeze dried. There's a process that you're able to take, uh, you know, uh, ice and convert it to, to vapor. And then, you know, that gets rid of the water. And then all of a sudden you have a raw product that's shelf stable that's easy and convenient for some reason for us at Stella Chews. We've seen that convenience is a big part of getting people to try to feed raw in a, at least a supplemental way. Um, the fact that they don't have to defrost it. Um, so, you know, we have a lot of different options with dinner patties and meal mixers and even treats. There's freeze dried raw treats. And so, you know, and we even have an oven baked kibble, which has raw coating and raw pieces in it. So for us at Stella Chewy's, we have like so many different options. It's a, it's a roadmap to raw. We've created a conversation floor plan. We can call it the Stellivator. You can start at the top. You could start at the bottom, but in between there's something there for you with a raw inclusion so that you could, you know, hit the ground running and just sprint into raw, but you can also crawl before you walk at Stella and Chewy's. And so we try to make it easy. We, we do feel that, um, it's the best by far. My dogs are barking in the background. I don't know if you hear that, but, um, they, they agree. Um, <laughs> so, uh, not with the UPS guy, obviously, but they definitely agree with what I'm saying. Uh, but yeah, there's so many different options. And then, you know, from a safety standpoint, you know, some consumers are concerned about pathogens, you know, they, they may feel that it can have an impact on the dogs overall all health unlikely unless the dog's uh, autoimmune suppressed, Mm -hmm. but it's really a human factor at the end of the day, you know, you don't want an oops where you don't pay attention. Don't wash the bowl. If you have kids and the dog, you know, eats the raw food and the child starts to play with what they shouldn't be playing with, like the bowl and you're feeding something that's contaminated, then that could be an issue. And so Stella and Chewy's, has always been an advocate and industry leading trailblazer in food safety. Mm-hmm. Um, and we use a technology called HPP, 
Um, it's an acronym that stands for high pressure processing, um, which is basically an organic method of ridding um, any food stuff that has high water content. And it's used in the human sector also. Mm-hmm. We were the first ones to proactively bring it to the pet food industry. Proactive meaning we didn't react to a recall. We did right. it because we believed in it. Um, and that's one of the geniuses of Marie, to go back to Marie, is that she kind of saw what was going to happen, right? Some people waited to see what would happen. Mm-hmm. And they ended up implementing similar food safety processes that, that we have. She she saw it before it happened and implemented that. And, uh, you know, we have, a, we have an amazing record on food safety. Um, and HPP is basically a technology where you could take the raw food, the meat, um, and everything Stella and Chewy's, any meat that comes into our plant is HPP. And we manufacture everything in-house. We have our own HPP units in-house, units meeting two. Um, and basically you take the food stuff and you put it into the HPP technology and it goes into these containers. The, the meat is in human food grade, like nylon bags, like almost like a baby pacifier. Um, and that protects the, the food from the actual water pressure. And then what ends up happening is um, the HPP fills up with cold water and the technology converts uh, the atmospheric pressure to 87,000 pounds of water pressure for three minutes, which would be the equivalent to you going five times deeper than the Pacific Ocean, Mariana Trench type depths, um, Leonardo DiCaprio and Titanic, like I'm on top of the world, not right. anymore, like really, really deep. Um, and basically the single cell microorganisms like pathogens such as um, Listeria, E. coli, Salmonella, they can't handle that that pressure. So those cell walls, the single cell walls rupture and deactivate. But, you know, HPP doesn't have an impact on the molecular conformation of the nutrients, the protein, the fat, the carbohydrates, whatever is in there, that's a molecule. Um, it works on the single cell microorganism level. It doesn't have any impact on vitamins and minerals, taste, texture. Um, it doesn't have any issue on uh, the molecular conformation of the nutrition. So, and vitamins, I said, and enzymes, that's another thing. And so all those things stay active and you have a raw product that is basically free of any of the pathogens that might be a concern. Um, and that, that's a positive because, you know, the one thing, Tammy, you know this, uh, whether you agree with me or not, um, you know, we in this industry, especially early on in the raw days, always made that wolf comparison, like out in the wild, they'd be, they'd be eating. But when they're out in the wild, you know, the wolf has a life expectancy of five to seven years. And they're eating, you know, there's weather elements. They, they die on the hunt. They're eating diseased uh, and dying in, in, and sometimes uh, rotting carcasses. Like it's, they have exposure to bacteria. They can handle it. Mm-hmm. And that's what we say. Oh, they're built to handle it. But it doesn't mean they need to handle it. So to be able to mm-hmm. feed them something that is like free and clean and pure of all those elements and then, of course, they're in a house, so they're not dealing with the, the elements that would, uh, you know, hurt them out in the wild. Um, you know, that's a positive. So, you know, uh, if they're eating food that has bacteria in it that is harmful, the autoimmune system is still reacting. 
it's mm-hmm. still doing its job. And yes, a dog might be built to handle pathogenic bacteria because their GI tract is shorter and the transit rate is shorter. So it never really has an opportunity to fully establish itself while it's in the, in the guts. Uh, however, if they're autoimmune compromised, you hear people say, don't feed a dog raw if they're autoimmune compromised. Mm-hmm. And that's because the autoimmune system can't fight the pathogen. So really, they're able to handle it, but it doesn't mean they should. And if they don't have to deal with the bacteria, their autoimmune system can focus on more important things, mm-hmm. not salmonella, E. coli, and listeria. So there's a lot of benefits to that. Yeah. So I, I, I speak for us at Stella and Chewy's. We put all the safeguards in place to make sure that you can get a raw food diet that mimics what they would eat out in the wild in regards to formulation, but you limit and in, 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 in basically um, take out the, the dangers of feeding raw. And, and that's what we're known for. And, and again, others have followed suit as the years have gone by. Right. Well, and I think the other thing, too, that's, you know, uh, valid to point out here is that, you know, people, a lot of times they hear two, two big concerns from their veterinarian regarding feeding raw. One is, oh, my gosh, the bacteria, it, you know, your dog's going to get sick and die or have, you know, GI issues, you know, for months, you know, et cetera. And the other one is it's not complete and balanced. And those two things are completely covered um, with Cell and Chewies. And I was hoping maybe you could talk a little bit, too, about, um, you know, just how you guys do make it complete and balanced. Maybe the vitamins. I know there's been a little bit of controversy around that, um, the vitamins and minerals that are added to your to your foods. Sure. No, absolutely. First of all, the point one with the vets, right? Mm-hmm. If, if you're... If you're feeding chicken backs to your dog and you're just getting, you know, raw meat at the grocery market and you're getting chicken backs um, and you're just giving it to your dog or you're feeding them a food that is, you know, HPP, it doesn't matter to the vet. Most likely their quote unquote, again, with the air quotes, um, horror stories are coming from the people that are going to the grocery market, buying hamburger meat, which is not complete and balanced. Mm-hmm. giving their dog chicken backs and, and they're seeing negative um, things happening from, right. from that. But well, they're that basically meat is covered in bacteria as well, because it's designed to be cooked. That's right. There's yeah. a kill step, the cooking. Yeah. And, uh, and, and with that, you know, I think what the vets do is if one's bad, all is bad. Mm-hmm. So one bad apple spoils the bunch. And, and I guess one bad chicken back spoils the bunch. And, 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 in this example, and I think that's where the vets are coming from is mm-hmm. I'm not sure they, I think they're ignorant to what's out there, mm-hmm. but I also don't think they really want to know there. There's kind of a conflict of interest where you are basically making money off of dogs that aren't healthy. And then you're going to go and talk about nutrition it's just a weird place to be. Like, you know, if all dogs are healthy, I have, my practice is going out of business. So um, it's just a weird place. I, I'm not sure that they should really be making nutritional recommendations when their business is really all about crisis management. And you can see that with some of the different, um, you know, prescription diets that they have. Everything is about an issue. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's one thing. I just don't think there's enough there. 
um, for them to really know. And if they really wanted to educate themselves on some of the brands out there that are taking the right steps, they could probably learn from what we do. Cause I, I would argue, and I'm pretty confident that we have better safeguards in place than some of the, the companies out there that, that manufacture prescription diets. So oh, for we're, sure. Yeah. We're, we're really dialed in. Well, um, and the other thing that I appreciate about Stell and Chewy's is literally there is a code on every single bag that you can go back and look at the safety test that was done. Um, and that to me speaks volumes. Transparency, transparency, transparency. Like mm-hmm. there's a lot of parties involved. Like we have, we have distribution partners that, that deliver and ship our food to you. They buy from us. You order from the distributor. It goes to you. Then you have your reputation and your store, you know, his reputations on the line right. and you're making recommendations. Um, and you know, one oops can have a bad impact on a lot of people. And, right. and, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure nothing's foolproof, right? But we want to make sure that we're putting all the safeguards in place to make sure all parties involved are protected and especially the pet parent. And mm-hmm. so, you know, uh, we do that. But just like you said, there's a certificate of analysis for every food batch that we ever manufactured and retailers, customers, vets, they can go online and they can look at any product from our, 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 our product offering that has a raw element. And they can see that it was tested uh, for salmonella, E. coli, and listeria. And it never leaves our plant um, until uh, it, it's actually, you know, been been checked out. And yeah. we do it internally and third party. And they both match up. Then we send it out and it can be sold to uh, pet parents across the, the country. Right. So. The, I, I love that. Yeah. Um, so I know we kind of. We're talking about several things, but I want to go back to the vitamins and minerals. Um, sure. Can you speak a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, let's go back to what we spoke about before with 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 the wolf diet, right? And this is what they would eat out in the wild. And so when you're talking about the wolf, they have access to all sorts of prey. They've got the larger ungulate, large ungulates, the, the deer, the elk. They've There's beaver, rabbit, small. There's all different types of food stuff that they feed off of, if not just one, and then they scavenge. Um, and so, you know, that's out in the wild and you have a life expectancy from about five to seven years on, on wolves out in the wild. Now wolves in captivity, and I'm, I'm taking a page out of the zoological side of things here. You know, they live to be 15, 18 years. Well, why is that? You know, they're being fed raw food diets also, but what they're not being fed is the, multiple different types of meat sourcing. Like if there's 20 different things that they're hunting out in the wild, they might get three, four or five at the zoological side. Mm -hmm. So they're really not getting everything. Um, And so, you know, then you take a look at just over the last 50 years, even in the human side of things, um, the nutrient composition of the food stuff that we consume has, is, is degraded over time. Population um, has grown. The way manufacturing is on the food and growing things, uh, growing food and, and the soil and mm-hmm. all these different elements, they, they it's hard to to maintain and sustain, you know, the same thing throughout the year and the seasons and things just just change. And you have elements like time and temperature. These are all things that work against natural ingredients. If mm-hmm. if you leave 
um, meet out for a while, like on like roadkill. Sorry, but if you have a, a you see a dead deer on the side of the road and you keep driving by it two weeks later, it's it's, it's you're you're literally seeing it decompose. Mm-hmm. So things start to break down. It's just it's just nature. Mm-hmm. And so ideally, you know, you would assume that they can get everything they could from a raw food diet that's manufactured. But the reality is, is like they're not getting access to everything. Um, they're not eating the entire carcass. Um, you know, we're picking, choosing what should go into the bag. And so, you know, I can speak for Stella and Chewy's 99.5% of the vitamins and minerals are naturally occurring in the meat, but you know, you have so many different uncontrollable variables along the way that can have an impact on what it tested out as from a vitamin and mineral standpoint, the, the day it was manufactured and then, you know, two, three months later, that bag could be consumed by, you know, a pet. And so a lot of change could happen in transit and time and temperature and defrosting and mm-hmm. refreezing. And, you know, even when it comes to grass fed beef, they're feeding off a of soil that might be great one season depleted the next. You know, you're going to have deficiencies and variances from batch to batch. Right. And so. On the zoological side of things, they get raw food, but they're also being supplemented with vitamins and minerals and whatever medications they need. And they're living to be 15 to 18 years. I I find it mind blowing, especially in our industry, that we forget that. Like we don't even focus on the carnivores on the zoological side of things. Like they're not just giving them raw food. They're supplementing vitamins and minerals um, to offset the deficiencies of the food that they're not getting. Mm -hmm. And so we try to mimic what's out in the wild, but it is not mimicking what is out in the wild. Mm -hmm. If you think that's the case, then, you know, you're in La La land. It's not just not the case. Um, And so we try our best to mimic it, but the vitamins and minerals is there to offset any of the deficiencies. And we're talking about 0.5%. That's very little 0.5% of the vitamins and minerals are synthetic in, in supplemented into our product, not 0.5% of, of the food stuff or of what's yeah. in the bag. Yeah. So that's such a tiny amount. Yeah. And it's just to offset any of those potential variances or the discrepancies from, from batch to batch. And it's, it's hedging. We, we assume and hope that they're going to get everything from, from the, the natural source, but there's going to be a time where it doesn't. And mm-hmm. that's there. And there's, really no negative to it. Cause if you look at just even around the world and you look at North America and, you know, vitamin D deficiencies mm-hmm. big here and people oh, are taking, yes. you know, vitamin during this whole COVID we were told to take vitamin D and zinc and supplement with different things. And so it's really a part of life. And I, I find it fascinating sometimes that when it comes to raw and maybe it's because with the, the, the kibble and the overly processed stuff that's out there, that there's probably a lot more vitamins and minerals out there. Somehow the messaging got blended and, and people think, well, if you're adding synthetic vitamins and minerals to your raw, you shouldn't have to. Um, then all the vitamins and minerals in the diet are coming from synthetic and it's not there. It's, it's, it's really another safeguard that Stella and Chewy's takes to offset any potential variances or, or deficiencies from batch to batch. And so we are confident that, and we, we test everything, everything is analyzed so that we meet 
the AFCO nutritional guidelines, like if it has to be a certain level, we are there. It's tested. Mm-hmm. We don't do the feeding trials or all that stuff. It, it, it's, it's, it's there and it's, it's tested and we, we hit every mark. We are dialed in on, on that also. So, yeah, I mean, that's why we use the vitamins and minerals. And I'd argue that, uh, you know, I'd look closely at uh, some of the, the, the ones that don't. So, yeah. Well, and it's true because, you know, you think about our, you know, the, the, you know, the cousin, the wolf, they are, they're getting so much variety and um, diversity with their natural diet. And then, yeah, so we're trying to mimic that as best we can. But at the same time, you don't have all of the offerings that you're going to have in the wild. So it it does, it makes sense. And I think it's great that you clarified, I mean, that minute percent of what um, makes up the synthetic vitamins um, in the product. Yep. That's great. Well, that's, that's why we do what we do. Yeah. So. Um, I was hoping you could maybe, I know there are, Excel and Chewy's has expanded. My gosh, I've, my store has been open for over 11 years. And I think I, I had you guys in my store, the freeze dried from the very beginning. And I have seen it change so much over the years in terms of just the growth of the product uh, um, offerings. And I was just going to see if maybe you could give an overview of some of the things that you do have now available to um, kind of meet the needs of just everybody um, across the board. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. We've grown a lot. In in, in 2003, when Stella and Chewy started, Marie had a co-packer. Um, in 2006, uh, we opened up our first manufacturing plant in Muskego, Wisconsin, 10,000 square feet. You know, that was big for us then. We were just doing frozen and freeze-dried. Um, then in 2010, they hired me. In 2011, they opened up a 50,000 square foot manufacturing facility in Milwaukee. I'm just saying they hired me in 2010. And then in 2011, they opened up a 50,000 square feet. That's a huge um, job. Manufacturing. Yeah, I'm kind of taking all the credit for it, but I'm joking. <laughs> um, but, it, you know, but then in 2015, we opened up 165,000 square foot manufacturing facility in uh, Oak Creek, Wisconsin, which is now expanded out to well over 400,000 square feet of manufacturing. Wow. Um, we have over 40 freeze dryers, um, which is double the capacity of our nearest competitor. We do all the frozen in-house. We have two oven-baked lines for kibble and biscuits. Um, and we have uh, two HPP units in, in-house. So um, we're the only pet food manufacturer in the world that does uh, raw frozen, freeze-dried, and oven-baked kibble on one campus. Um, so, yeah, the growth has been crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for us, it's all about what can we do to bring consumers into the Stella and Jewish community. So we, you know, we started off as just raw, frozen and freeze dried. And in 2017, everything just changed. It's like, how big can we grow on these two segments? And freeze dried for us was actually bigger than the raw frozen. And so that seemed to be the one that people were gravitating to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, people always said to us, like, if you guys could come up with something different in the form of kibble then, you know, we would feed your kibble. And a lot of our customers were using our product with somebody else's kibble, which mm-hmm. is fine. That, that's mm-hmm. And they were feeding our raw food, some exclusively, but some people were 
feeding it one or two days a week and then feeding somebody else's kibble, but they loved our product. They loved what we stood for. They loved Marie's story. Um, and so, you know, they gave us permission because they asked and, and retailers were saying, do something different. And so that's when we came out with an oven baked kibble in, in 2017. And the reason we went with oven baked is because um, oven baked is less processed than what the majority of kibbles out there are, are, are extruded. Mm-hmm. And they use very high temperatures for the most part, um, four or 500 degrees on, on the majority of the kibbles out there. There are some others that don't go so high. But if you took the blended average of all the kibbles, the majority, the high majority are extruding at very high temperatures. It wouldn't have made any sense for us to go from frozen freeze dried to, to, to like an extruded. So we went with Mm -hmm. oven bake, which is, you know, gently cooked at about 196 degrees. Heat damage starts at 125. So there's less nutrient degradation there. Um, Oven baked, you feed less. Um, You have, uh, you know, more nutrition. So you're feeding less, you're getting more uh, and it tastes better. And so, you know, it bakes for about five to seven minutes. Um, and, you know, it's uh, the internal temperature. Like I said, it never exceeds 196 degrees. So it's more nutrient dense. But then what makes us one of a kind still to this day is the raw inclusion. So we have, you know, uh, all of our kibble in the oven baked. We have a raw coated and raw blend. Both both iterations are coated with 2% raw um, freeze dried. So there's an opportunity for consumers that never fed raw to start feeding that kibble. And, and now they're feeding 2% raw. And on our raw blend, it's also coated with the freeze-dried raw at 2%. But then there's also meal mixer pieces in there that equates about 5% of of what's in the bag. So 7% raw in in a bag of Stella & Chewy's raw blend. So you have a 2% option and a 7% option. And again, when I said you feed raw food once a a week, one day, that's about um, 14.2% if you uh, divide one by seven. So... Um, you know, all these steps to get customers in the, the, the freeze dried itself is, is what I mentioned earlier. It's just a great way to, you know, it's a Swiss army knife of our, of our product. Um, you know, our dinner patties can be used as a full on meal. You can crumble them up over, uh, your, your kibble or in canned food. If you like that touching the food experience. So you get that feeling. Some pet parents like feeling like they're preparing the food for their, their pets, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we made it easier so you can just scoop and serve with our meal mixers. Uh, we made it even easier with the magical dust, which is, you know, just freeze-dried dinner dust. And it's magical and it's in a easy pour spout that you could just pour on top of kibble. We've given so many different options. But even without raw in it, with some of the products with the wet food that we came out with in Tetra Pak's Human Grade, um, the Essentials, which is an extruded product, all these are just like, kickoff points for a consumer to come in. Like I see the long game and I, you know, you and, 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 and other retailers, but the consumer can say like, I have a place where I can start and comfortably mm-hmm. move up at my own pace. There's no pressure. You know, the brand is strong. The brand equity is built, but you have this opportunity to come into a brand that can guide you up what we call the elevator. And so you have all these different entry points and, you know, we believe that, you know, 98% and this is based on data that of customers that try Stella and Chewy's once come back again. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty confident you see, you know, a similar pattern. Uh, but, you know, we've just created more entry points now for pet parents to come in and say, like, we've heard about this brand, not ready for that yet. So I'll start here. My dog really likes this. The next step is take essentials and mix magic dust. And, you know, now you're creating a customer that is coding their kibble and the next conversation or next uh, feeding experience for that consumer would be like oven baked. And mm-hmm. so, you know, up, up and away. So right. that's, that's well, what we're trying to do. Well, and I will do. say that um, whenever we first really, we, we had Stella and Chewy's freeze dried and it was, we really didn't understand it in the very, very beginning. And then Doug came into my store and he started explaining it. And then he said, all right, I'm, I'm going to give you some samples to sample it out. And oh my gosh, that was all it took because these little dogs would come in and you would start giving it out. And the parents were like, what are you feeding him? He is so fussy. You know, I, I've got to have that. And I mean, it just exploded after that. And that's yeah. the thing about the freeze dried. It is so palatable. Um, and the thing that I hear so many times too, cause you know, that, that whole fear of leaving raw food out or whatever is there that the pet parents who are feeding a, you know, subpar kibble, um, they say, well, my dog's a self-regulating feeder, you know, he'll just walk over to the bowl and get a little bit. How does that work with the, the raw? And I'm like, I don't think you're going to have that problem. <laughs> and they don't, you know, the dog loves it and they eat it and they enjoy it. And they're looking at you for more, you know. No, hundred percent. Like we engineer everything for palatability. And I mean, there was a time where people like just called our freeze dried, like, doggy crack. I mean, exactly. that was what they said. I mean, yes. I mean, it's like, okay, but, uh, you know, it, it's extremely palatable. And I used to say like 95 out of a hundred dogs, like loved our, our freeze dried and the other five needed to be institutionalized because they're crazy. Um, <laughs> right. but our stuff is so palatable and the freeze dry, it, it, it just, once, once customers started feeding to that dog, that was game changing for us. Like mm-hmm. as a company, in 2010, as I came on board, like everybody was so focused on raw and, and like for us, again, Marie forecasted the future and, you know, it just goes to prove that women are a lot smarter than men. She <laughs> saw that, um, that the path of least resistance for us as a company was freeze dry mm-hmm. and to walk into a store like yourselves and try to tell you that like, you know, 16 ounces for twenty nine ninety nine is a full meal. Like, how do you quantify value with that? Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you're going through a bag on like a hundred pound dog every two days. Right. And so, you know, we had to get creative and that's where we took the whole some raw is better than none. Mm-hmm. And we took slack for that too, because, you know, there was a time and you know, this where raw food companies were like, you're peddling death if you sell kibble and your dog's going to die if you feed kibble. And mm-hmm. we never, ever, ever spoke to that we always took the approach of how do we get a little raw into every dog's bowl mm-hmm. you know changing lives one bowl at a time right and you know that was our thing and like once once freeze dried got going like it was it was on right and still today we're like a dominant player like it, it, if you were to look at other brands just in other industries and you start looking at market share not to get into marketing but the number that we own and freeze dried is just, it's not something you see anywhere. 
in any other segment. It's just not surprising at all because I, I mean, I know people that have never tried it don't quite get it, but it's crazy how much dogs love the freeze dried. It is. And, and it's good for them. So that's the cool part too. For, for sure. I, yeah. You can sprinkle it on the top of kibble. You can, you know, kibble's cooked and you lose a lot of that raw nutrition. And so it's a great way to just supplement, you know, raw food, you know, natural ingredients and fresh ingredients. And, you know, like Emerald Lagasse, bam, sprinkle a little mother nature back onto the kibble. I mean, <laughs> I it's, love that. it's, it's yeah. just something that, that you can do. So Yeah. Well, as we are wrapping up today, Daryl, is there anything else that you would like um, my listeners to know about your company or Raw or any of it um, before we wrap up? I'll finish with this. And, you know, when I first met you, I I did kind of like a demonstration because I just really wanted people to understand the difference between Raw and Cooked. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's one thing to talk about Raw being in its natural state and Cooked being altered and changed, but just understanding what, what goes on inside the, the animal's body. Um, you know, I've got kids and my kids love Play-Doh. And one of the things that I like to do to show the difference between, um, you know, raw and cooked is, is use this Play-Doh analogy with Play-Dohfully adds a little color to the difference between the two. Um, again, the dog and the wolf, they're meant to have raw food. And if I, if I, my kids love the Play-Doh and I'm a little OCD. And so when I give my kids the Play-Doh, um, there's a rule in the house and then they cannot mix the Play-Doh. So they're not allowed to mix the Play-Doh. So I give my kids and I've got three of them and I am, I, I have a very strict stance on this. So they know they're not going to budge. I give them, let's say, red, white, and blue Play-Doh. There's the red container, the white container, and, and the blue container. And each one of those different colors, red is the protein, um, you know, white is the fat, and then blue is the carbohydrates. And so with raw, you know, the body's able to do what it's supposed to do. And everything goes where it needs to go. And, and, and to digest it and to assimilate the nutrients, you get more out of it, less weight, waste and, and everything takes less energy. So when my kids are done playing with the Play-Doh, Tammy, they, they give the, the Play-Doh back and that I'm able to put the, the, the blue, the, the red uh, Play-Doh back into the red container. Mm-hmm. So the protein goes where it needs to go. The white goes into the white container and then the blue goes into the blue container and that's the carbohydrates. All the different nutrients go where they need to go. No waste and everything is, is like, there's no energy wasted. Mm-hmm. I travel a lot. I do training seminars. I am in the fail, field doing uh, sales. Um, you know, and when I'm gone, my wife has three kids and she gets overwhelmed and she gives them the Play-Doh and she doesn't care. And she's got other things she's got to worry about. Um, oh, no, they the, get mixed up. That's right. The kids know, like, dad's gone so we can mix the Play-Doh. Well, I come home. And like, there's this ball of Play-Doh and it's all different colors mixed together and I'm freaking out. And this is what happens when, you know, you overly process food is you, you basically molecules fractionalize because of high temperatures and then they all coagulate together. So with raw, everything is separated and in its natural state, when you cook something, it's mixed in the Play-Doh. 
all these molecules fractionalize and then they coagulate together and fuse together. So you've got the fats and the protein and the carbohydrates all mixed together. And so my kids play with the Play-Doh, Tammy, and they've got this ball. Uh, I see the red, white, and blue, but it's all mixed together. And now I have to spend all this time trying to separate the red and put it in the red container. I got to separate the white. I got to put it in the white container and the blue. And I'm sitting here, and this is the body literally trying to separate all these different things and put them in the right place. Now it can do it. Um, it takes a lot more time and it takes a lot more energy, but both physically and psychologically, I'm breaking the sweat, just talking about it. Um, and I have red, white, and blue Play-Doh, but I also have a ball left over of a color that I don't have a container for. And the only place that that can go is in the trash container. Mm-hmm. So, um, just a lot more waste when you're feeding something that's overly processed. Mm -hmm. And when you feed raw, you've got all the Play-Doh in its correct container, no waste, low energy, all good. When you start heating something at four to 500 degrees, that body needs to try to separate all this stuff. And certain things get digested in certain parts of the body that others don't. And that means like in the stomach, only protein gets digested. Fats in, 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 uh, in carbohydrates are digested in the small intestines. They've got to separate all that. They got to decipher that. And so that's stressful on the body and they don't, and it's all about timing. So you don't get as much when you feed something that's overly processed. There's a lot more, you know, waste. And so simply put dogs that feed raw, not mixed Play-Doh, there's less poop, there's less waste, there's less health issues. Um, Mm -hmm. When you cook something to extreme temperatures, kibble-fed dogs and the grainier the kibble is, we know it's like picking up after a horse. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot more waste. And you could start running into some health issues because when you start feeding something to a dog where uh, the body doesn't know what it is all the time and you start getting little pieces of, of matter that seep into the bloodstream that aren't recognizable to the the body, the autoimmune system is going to say, I don't know you. Mm -hmm. And that's going to trigger an autoimmune response. Mm -hmm. So think no mixing the Play-Doh versus mixed Play-Doh. And that's, that's really your difference um, between raw and and highly processed pet food. And so I'll leave you guys with that image. Uh, in that <laughs> the Play-Doh image. So, no, it's yeah. such a powerful analogy. I love it. And it w- it made an impact on me when I met you several years ago, too. Um, kind of hearing that, it's great to hear it again. And But you're right. It's causing so much stress on all body, you know, the organs, everything, The you know, um, whenever you're cooking something at those high temperatures. And it just makes sense. It's a lot more simple. You know, my gosh, nature had it right. It's simple. Let's stay, you know, let's, let's look at that. So I think it's a great, great story. Well, thank you. This yeah. is, this was a lot of fun. Yeah. So. Well, Daryl, I cannot thank you enough for spending the time today. This has been such great information. And I know my listeners are going to um, love listening to this podcast today. So thank you again. And I am, so, I really absolutely love Stella and Chewy's everything about it. So thanks again. Well, I just moved to Texas from California in, in February. So I, I get to say this 
thank y'all for listening. <laughs> and uh, it's it's been uh, it's been a lot of fun, and I always I always love getting the opportunity to to talk about our brand and and raw and to people like you, Tammy. So I appreciate yeah, it. So absolutely. thank you for inviting me. And welcome to Texas. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Daryl. We'll talk okay. soon. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you love this episode, share it with someone who may also want to help their pet. You can share it now or post it on social media. Tag me in it so that I can reach back out to you. I'm so proud of you for taking steps to help your amazing furry family member. Talk to you soon.